0: Gone to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of Greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode 28 of Gone to the Dogs. We've got another cracking episode in store. And as always, I am Danny Jackson and my co-pilot is
1: Joe Andrews. Hello everyone, how are you doing? You can't answer me back because it's listen only, but I hope you're all well. <laughs> Danny, you're much better now. That's good to see.
0: Mm. Yes, I am a human again. I can talk properly. Um, I was even up at air yesterday. This was Tuesday. Because um, obviously we're recording on Wednesday. But so, yeah, Tuesday anyway. I was up at air practicing commentating over jumps. So, How did
1: you get on? All right.
0: Uh, room, for, room for improvement off my current handicap mark, I think. Uh, yes, I certainly have got a fair bit to do. Because jumps has never been my forte with it when it comes to commentary,
1: but it's an easier because you get that little bit of extra time on the jumps.
0: No, because the the jumps then come at you quite quick, and you've got a lot more to look at. So and you need to them... know the
1: layout of the course and the jumps, yeah. so you, you know five to jump, you know all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and you've got your little maps. I've got like little squares with little lines on and all mm. sorts of numbers and everything else. But when I'm commentating. I'm practising. I don't have the, the luxury of the monitor that the commentators have. So I'm doing it through binoculars, through the big screen that everybody can see that's a punter. And then every now and again, I kind of look at the course to figure out where I am. So I can't always look down at my notes because then I look up and it's gone. <laughs> it and there's a massive
1: delay usually on the, on the screen, on the track. There's, you know, usually about five seconds latency to live. So it's no it's no good using that as a reference point.
0: Um, To be fair, I don't, I've not seen the delay quite frankly. Yesterday it was fine. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah, yeah. It seems Sometimes to be Sometimes it's, quite it's good.
1: just pointless having it there. Cause you you're watching the action and it's like, you know, five seconds behind, three seconds behind live and it's just it's I just a nonsense. Especially over the jumps where you can tell you know you
0: You can tell it yeah. got a point with a
1: jump. Yeah. But <laughs> good gone. Well, 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 already already good <laughs> practising. We'll see you more on the on the jumps courses soon then will we?
0: Hopefully, yes. Yes. That is the plan. I'm gonna try and get out twice a month to different tracks and Yeah, if you're around, come and say hello. Um, But yeah, that was good. And I'm just having a bit more time off, Joe. quite frankly. I worked like a ridiculous amount last year because I was scared of my tax bill, which is stupid, really, because then you have to pay more. But um, if you work more, you pay more. But anyway. That's how it works. Yeah. And then I just said um, to Cliff, just need to ease off the gas a little bit. So I have done. So I just keep having random days off.
1: Good. Great well, fun. good for you. Work-life yeah. balance is important.
0: Indeed. How is your work-life balance, Joe? How are you doing?
1: Fine. A very busy time of the year. There's a big um, conference last week in London um, at the Excel called ICE International Ooh. Casino Exhibition. Um, it's the last one in in London. It's in Barcelona next next year. Oh, nice. Definitely. But it's, that's a really busy week. Um, we have a stand there as lots of meetings. People travel from all over the world to go. I think they have, you know, tens of thousands of people coming. Wow. Um, so it's a busy week, and then this week's busy following everything up. You know, uh, separating the wheat from the chaff. Um, you know, you have you have a lot of time wasters and stuff, but it's good because you know I've been in this industry a long time now. So there's a, there's a lot of people, even if you're not meeting them, that you see our stands by the Racing Post Cafe as well, which is usually busy. Our stands packed out um you know just bumping into to people all the time i saw mark Moisley; he was there i met him one mm. day jim crammon he was there and plenty plenty of other heads um so it was uh it was good but it's it's quite exhausting um, and i as usual had picked up some sort of virus uh, but my voice is coming back now because it, it wasn't great at the weekend but i oh feel gosh. much better now but yeah all good all good
0: good and uh, before we dive into the general greyhound news, you've got a little bit of news about your little, lively Savannah. Yeah, yeah, she
1: shockingly came into season uh, <laughs> last weekend. Patrick called be on Saturday. We weren't expecting it. Uh, yeah, Patrick uh, called and just said Savannah's in season. She was running really well. She, you know, won an Open at, at Hove um, and got to a little cat- f- cat- uh, cat-free cat final Um. Nice second in, in, in a six bend open as well at Monmore. She just got pipped on the line, but she was, yeah, she was in tremendous form and then she's come into season. So Andrew and I have decided that we're going to breed from her. Um, I think, you know, we've had some advice, I speak to people about this all the time, but it's preferable to have your pups come growing up in the summer, you know, where they can get the sun on their backs, go out, not in the rain. We thought that she was every 12 months and that would be October, so our, our hand would have been forced, but as it's been now, um, we thought, you know, let's let's go for it. So, as of this morning, Patrick's dropped her off um, to meet the transporter, and she's on her way to Ireland now, and she's going to see Bally Cash out uh-huh. So she's booked in at Frightful Flash Kennels, and um, yeah, fingers fingers crossed that that works. She'll she'll have a few goes. They, I think they do blood tests every day to see if she's ovulating fully or whether it's the optimum time. I'm not a, not a vet, or I I've never been to a stud farm, but I think that's how it works. And then they have a few goes and. She comes back. And I know Jade said she's got a scanner. So after after 20 days, she'll have a scan. And hopefully there's some little pups in there. So really exciting. Really, really exciting times. I can't wait. Obviously, I've said before, Andrew and I bought three bitches to to breed from. That was the whole plan. and, And this is the start of that next chapter. So um, I'll keep people updated. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll be um, an absolute norse anyway, going on about it all the time and <laughs> and updating as I Never. always am. But um, yeah, it's 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 great. So we'll we'll see, and hopefully it all it all works out, and, and Savannah, you know, enjoys the experience, comes back fine, and well, then go- uh, yeah, we have got some little little puppies, some little lively pups.
0: Well, I'll tell you my story of um my German Shepherd who. <laughs> was put to stood, Um I think she, wa- she was only quite young, to be fair, but I think um, she'd come into season and my mother-in-law decided, yeah, now's the right time. She wanted some puppies. And she scaled a fence and ran away. So let's hope you have more luck. I don't
1: hope Savannah doesn't do that, runs <laughs> away. I'm sure Frightful Flash have got it got it sorted and they know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> I would hope so, yeah, because uh, I don't think mine was particularly legit it wasn't anything to do with me at the time to be fair but she's now been spayed so we don't have that issue anymore but she snaps the head off anybody who comes n- even close to her when uh she's she's in season so or was don't in season side of her absolutely not absolutely not but yeah i do wish you the best of luck and i can't wait to see the put dance
1: yeah i can't wait and barely cash out you know i've got heard good reports got some nice pops
0: on mm. the ground
1: already we've got some of the unraced um Competition starting in or started or starts and starting in Ireland. Yeah, keeping an eye out. Plenty of Matt cash outs there, and um, yeah, really excited. And we'll see how we go. But the plan was always to send the other two to him as well. And Savannah was the one we're not, wasn't sure about. But I think, you know, we'll we've sent him to cash out now and, and we'll see. So,
0: yeah, I think and he stood on the block, very, isn't
1: he? Very expensive uh, time <laughs> coming up, but um, you know, hopefully it'll all be worth it.
0: It will, it will. It's going to be a great experience. I can't wait to uh, to enjoy it with you. It's going to be great. And you won't be a noise. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm always a Norse. But...
0: <laughs> right. Normal greyhound world. As in, out of our little bubble, Joe. What's going yeah.
1: on? Uh, a few little bits of news in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the gym cracks moved from Kinsley to Sheffield. But as a result, there's gonna be no Steel City puppy derby. So from what I read from the press release, um, it looked like we're losing a a cat one. It's just replacing another one, which is which is obviously a shame. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what's what's happened there, whether uh, Kinsey just said we don't want to host a, the gym crack anymore, we can't afford it or whatever. Go ahead, Danny. I
0: think last year, I don't know, I don't know from this year, but I know last year it was quite a headache for just, you know, one day really, because I think they had to get the restaurant staffed. They had to have bar staffed. They had to sort the bar out because it hadn't been used in, what, Heaven forbid, years? Heaven forbid
1: going onto the track for a Cat 1 final.
0: Yeah. So I think they just <laughs> had a little bit of a nightmare. And Keith and John have probably just said, you know what, if someone else wants it, that's yeah. fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... it's a shame. It's a shame because, again, we're losing another comp unless they're going to put that on another time later on in the year but it didn't it didn't look like that from the from the press release
0: no um i've not heard anything um about the steel city puppy derby either apart from the fact that it's uh, being replaced so yeah sad but i like the gym crack i think it's it's good it's a good comp and i'm glad they brought it back last year and i'm glad sheffield have taken it over if, if kinsley have said no so at least yeah. we're you Know it, it it's steeped in history, I think. Jim, the gym crack as well, it so, is stormy
1: yeah. news last year, wasn't
0: it? Wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was good. Um, typically, I wasn't there when it was that I was, I'd been at Kinsley loads, and then for the gym crack, I didn't make an appearance. I wasn't, Poor. I wasn't put on the road.
1: <laughs> Poor,
0: I know, so sorry. couldn't
1: afford you because they had to put pay the bar stuff for that to get the <laughs> restaurant opened.
0: yeah, true. Um, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: we've <laughs> We've also got, um, I've just read that Star Sports are putting on the 50 grand bonus for any dog that can win their sponsored greyhound derby over here in England. And also then go on to win the Irish derby at Shelburne, which is a little bit more likely this year because obviously, as we've said before, the Irish derby is a little bit later in the year. Um, so it's more likely that dogs are going to be able to run to their, you know, optimum in both still, still a big ask, but you know, if you get a special dog, that's it, that's a nice incentive, that 50 grand. So thanks to star sports for doing that. And of course their continued support of the, 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 the Derby over here. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing was just, um, it looks like kennels can be uh, get a UCAS accreditation. I think the tracks can get that at the moment, but uh, the GBGB have worked with the with the government to achieve that for, for kennels. I don't know how they go about it. I'll be honest, I don't know much about this, but I wanted to mention it because it's obviously in the interests of, of welfare and then kennels will have to meet certain standards, I'm sure, to, to receive this UCAS accreditation. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see, see how that goes. But other than that, Danny, nothing else? news-wise no, sorry if I missed something
0: um no I don't think you have I was off for four days and everything just moves at a lightning fast pace so uh yeah I don't know what I missed last week but I think we've covered pretty much everything and we are gonna dive into a fabulous interview with a man that everybody knows because he's all over social media and he absolutely loves his ray hounds. it is of course Kevin Parisi
1: I'm absolutely delighted that we're joined by top dog man, Kevin Parisi. Kevin, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Joe. Yeah, I'm really good today. I'm looking forward to the interview and don't expect me to be an expert on ground racing because we all learn every day and uh, I'm just interested in what questions you've got to ask me and we'll crack on from there.
1: Well it's not about being an expert, it's about hearing about you and your involvement in the sport. Yeah. But but for those that don't know you, Kevin, and, and a lot of people do, <laughs> uh, from social media syndicates on the track and whatnot, but just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I'm fifty-eight years old, uh fifty-nine next month. I've been involved in ground racing uh for over forty years. Uh I first went to a track at Oxford with my best friend who was going from the age of about five or six, David Martin, uh, and he was a, like an unbelievable judge. And one night he asked me to come up to Oxford, and I went up there, and he told me to have a fiver on a dog called Mikola, and it was eight to one, and of course it won, and then I was absolutely hooked. And I remember that night winning a few hundred quid, which was a lot of money back then. And I started going every week and uh, started uh, making friends. Obviously, I knew a lot of people who was going up to the dogs. My best mate was there every single meeting. And, you know, for me, it, it was something new. And I think what it is, it's the buzz you get, you know, having a bet and, well, Back then it was, it was having a bet and watching the dogs run on a track at 40 miles an hour, whatever speed I do. And it was just, I don't know, just something clicks with me, you know. And to be honest, I've been the same uh, for for 40 odd years. You know, I, I absolutely love the sport. I love the dogs. And for me, a big part of it is the social. You know, you're meeting new people, you're chatting to strangers. I, I do find with brown racing, there's no class divide. And I think that's really important. You know, anybody can go there, complete stranger, and people will start talking to you, which is really good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a leveller, and I've said before on here, especially at tracks like Oxford, um, you know, which which you've been to since you were a young lad, you know, it's, they're really friendly. You know, when you start speaking to dog people, all they want to talk about is the greyhounds, who's good, who's not, who's going to win, times, trials, you know, things <laughs> like that. And it's uh, just a, it's a great night out where everyone's friendly and, and happy.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I absolutely love going to the dogs. You know, and for me, the biggest thing is actually, uh, as you know, I run a lot of syndicates, is getting people to the track, you know, even first-timers, you know, there's no better feeling for me as a owner and running syndicates is getting a newbie to track. And this year, I think I've, well, last year as well, I think I've introduced 11 new people to Greyhound Racing who's never been before. And for me, that is a massive thing. Yeah. You know, it's really important to me. And obviously, I'm hoping people feel... What I feel at a greyhound track and how I feel about my dogs and the racing. And obviously, there's a lot of problems in the sport, but there's also a lot of good things. And I tend to like uh, grab the good things. But obviously, like anything in life, you have to talk about the not so good things. Otherwise, people ain't going to believe you if you're shouting about the good things. Yeah. So, but overall, I think, uh, Greyhound racing is something everyone can get involved with, and especially uh, younger generation. And I, even at Romford, you can see a lot of children go who are like maybe got learning difficulties or were not very well. And the parents have brought them there, autistic children especially, have brought them there to actually... Watch the dogs and go and see the dogs. I think the last time I was, I got a trophy, I did actually notice the young child in the audience with his parents, and he had tubes coming out of his mouth here and there. He's a beautiful little boy. And I asked the parents, if I win my race, would you, uh, would you come up and collect the trophy? And it, listen, honestly, the, the reaction of the little boy. Uh, I didn't ask the little boy first. I asked the parents because obviously <laughs> I had to make sure I won first. But I was pretty confident we would win. And the little boy came up on the podium. He gave the trophy out, and the lovely uh kennel hand uh gave the trophy to the little boy. And it and the parents come up to me after, afterwards, added me on social media. They said it was the f- greatest experience. Ever for us all. And things like that, I think, are really important. And people who are against the sport don't realise we are a great community. And that's what we are a community. Do you know what I mean? You know, you have to remember a lot of the people who are against us, you know, don't understand us. And, you know, overall, greyhound people assault the earth.
1: Yeah, well said, Kevin. Absolutely. I'm interested to know, how did you get those, you know, you got 11 new people into the sport this year. How did you uh, go about that? How did you get them, how did you get them people
2: involved in ground racing
1: where they had no interest before? What's the secret?
2: Well, a few of them I sort of knew through the football scene. Uh, and a lot of them, I'd never even, was even friends with them on social media or nothing. It's basically, I was at track with a couple of guys uh, it was their first experience and I just started chatting to them because I basically I chat to everyone. <laughs> I'm a bit of a chatterbox and I'm known for it. And I went up to him. I was like, your first time here? You can always tell, can't you, are a newbie. They're asking questions to you. What do you fancy here? And then it come on, so I've got a dog running here and do you fancy it? I said, well, I think it's, you know, in a difficult race, whatever. And through the night, I'll be chatting to him, and uh, the next thing they're saying to me, uh, "Can I have your phone number?" I would love to be uh, join a syndicate, and I've got one guy at the moment. Uh, his name's listen up. His name's Jay Griffiths, and he joined the sport seven months ago, and he messaged me on social media, and he said, "Kev, I can see you're like." having a great time with the greyhounds. And uh, I was sort of friends with him, but not knowing him too well. I just like, just give it hello stuff like that on Facebook or like his post. And uh, he bought his first greyhounds in a syndicate seven, eight months ago. And now he has 15 greyhounds. <laughs> and oh that is God. no joke. 15 greyhounds. And I'll tell you something now. He's banging to his football. He goes all over the country supporting Rochdale, his team, uh, which is a bad choice, obviously. I'm an (laughs) Oxford United supporter. Uh, But listen, he is mad for greyhound racing. And he is the most passionate, uh, likeable person you you could ever meet. And it it brings me great pleasure when people like that come into the sport because... He told me the other day, he said, you know, this this greyhound racing, I, I ain't sure what it is, but it's just something that's hooked me. And for me to hear that, bringing new people into the sport, is a massive, massive thing. And even recently, uh, I got a message uh, from a young lad uh, called Lewis and he was sort of interested in, in getting involved with the Greyhound. And this was only like two months ago. And he's a really, really nice guy. And he was like, not sure what kennel to go to. Uh, Because he's spoken to a few people. And I said, and he sent me his other dogs from his other kennel. And I said, yeah, that seems to be, you know, a, a good deal. Give it a go. You know, not trying to encourage him into mine, because something I would never do is try to push people into any of my syndicates. You know, it has to be a choice. Uh, So I spoke to him on the phone and he messaged me back. He said, do you know what? You're the only person who said, you know, have a good look around, make the choices, talk to these people and then decide them. And then now, I think he's on his sixth, seventh dog uh, with me. And I never try to push it on people, but he's so passionate. And the beautiful thing about it, and other people who come into the sport through the syndicate system, through me, is that there's no better feeling than seeing them celebrating after a race with the Greyhounds. And luckily Lewis has collected two trophies so far. And he messaged me afterwards and I'll never forget it. He said, that was the most amazing experience I've ever had. I said, he said, thank you so much. I could never, ever repay you for how I feel. And I said, look, Lewis, you put your money in and I'm really pleased that you actually joined the syndicate because your passion is just unbelievable, you know. And it's a really great community. I ain't trying to, like, uh, blur up my syndicates, but the the atmosphere of my syndicates is absolutely unbelievable. You know, some really nice people. We've got Grace uh, Cawthorn, as you know, Grace, Mm -hmm. uh, a lovely young girl, uh, and her granddad, Paul. They started with one with me, and now it's up to about five, I think. So... You know, it's it's absolutely amazing for me getting people into the sport. You know, it's a massive thing for me to them to feel what I feel when I travel to track. And it's like, you know, I say to people, I've just travelled four hours to watch 27 seconds, <laughs> you know. And they say, why do you do it? And obviously the reason I do it is because, It's not just the 27 seconds. It's the week before you're looking at the race and then you're travelling to track. And when you get to track, I don't know what it is. You just feel really, really special. And when your dog goes in at traps and they come out and sometimes they don't always win, we all know that. Uh, It's just the most amazing experience i'm a little bit loud while at track i do go over the top a little bit uh shouting and stuff like that but yeah listen it's a passion for me and i got to say i'm i i'm addicted i can't think of anything else 24 7 and i'm not just saying this i'm on my phone uh In group chat, I'm on my phone uh, looking at greyhound day. uh, I have at least seven, eight phone calls a day talking greyhounds. About three or four from Ireland. And I get phone calls from Scotland, everywhere. Every day, I'm 24-7. Greyhound, greyhound, greyhound.
1: Well, I dread to think about how many messages you're going to have when you hang up on this call then, uh, Kevin. And I think you just answered uh, Sean Reynolds' question Mm because he said, has your passion for the game ever brought a complete novice into ownership or turned them into a casual follower of the sport? Well, you've just answered his question.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's good, you know what I mean? Uh, Sean's a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've met Sean a few times, well, quite a few times. I've done an interview with him at Oxford Stadium on the track. Now, he's the sort of guy we need in the sport, promoting it. You know, he's very, very passionate. He's got his own dogs as well, apart from his whippets at home. We all know about Joe. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, he's the sort of person we need to, like, get bigger roles into the sport because he's young, he's enthusiastic, He's got an idea how social media works. You know, I think it's really important people start grasping the fact, the way forward to promote the sport, with homing as well, is social media. You know, not everyone likes social media, but let's be honest, everybody's on it. Mm. It's addictive. So let's start getting people like Sean and even Grace Cawthorn. You know, Grace obviously has got a lot to learn about the sport uh, because she's only young. It's You know, it it takes years and years, and every day you learn something different. What we need is young people coming into the sport, but we also need people encouraging them. Mm. You know, it's really important we encourage the young people. And even I've got a guy at the moment, Uh, His name's Barry, and he was in all the Bubbly Club, dogs. And uh, I think Barry's 81. And he messaged me and he said, hello, Kev. He phoned me up, basically. He got my number and we started chatting. He said, I've heard so much about you, Kev. Uh, You know, good things. I said, Barry, don't believe everything everyone says. (laughs) You know, and now we've become... I don't know, just great friends. We speak every week for about two hours on the phone. And now he owns uh, five dogs with me. So, you know, it is absolutely fantastic bringing people into the sport. And for me, apart from the dogs itself, that is my biggest thing. And obviously all my syndicates I run are non-profit. You know, I pay the same as everyone else. Uh, which can get very expensive. And obviously, I'm I'm working on everything to do with ground racing for the people involved 24-7. But Barry's a a great example, a man who's been in sport, I think, 60 years. So you can imagine his experience, but it's actually brilliant to talk to someone like him for me because he's such a gentleman, a lovely guy, and he knows greyhounds inside out, but he's also very humble uh, when he's talking to you, you know, because I, you know, for knowledge, he's like way above anyone I've ever spoken to.
0: Well, talking about all of your syndicates and dogs that you own outright yourself, how many do you actually have now, Kevin?
2: Well, to be honest, I'm still counting them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, I listen. I I think I've got fourteen race dogs. Uh, in total, I've got uh, well, fifteen. I think race dogs got one coming over this week. Uh, we've I've got twenty four, which is absolutely uh, crazy. But you know, obviously, it's just a passion and. You know, I'm totally addicted to the sport and the people who are involved with me are as passionate as me, which is obviously you get the odd person uh, who's not as passionate, but end of the day, we're all in the sport for different things. But I think you are fine. people say, oh, there's loads of money in greyhound racing, you're going to make a fortune. You know, other people realise we put a lot of money You know, literally, I've got one pair of jeans and a pocket full of drinks. And, you know, and that is, you know, I'd rather go and buy a greyhound than an item of clothing. You know, so I've got 24 uh, and I've got some really nice pups coming forward, uh, which I'm really, listen, I'm a pup man, you know. When it comes to retiring dogs and I'm into my older dogs, I love the elderly greyhounds. You know, you know, it's something about that grey face I'm just attracted to. But as racers, I'm into my pups and I've got some really, uh, yeah, I've got a little list here of some of the pups I've actually got. I've got a a syndicate with a Ballymac Bulger, Tip Top Ariel. Uh, She was, half-sister to Ballymac Ariel. Uh, and they're about six months old now. Uh, I've also got a droopy Sydney, Wolf of Magic, who won the Angel of the North, which is, I'm very excited about. they 10 months old. Uh, they're being reared by uh, John Doyle. And Dog's name is Clutching at Straws, because obviously Sydney was a straw. And obviously, buying any greyhound, you are literally clutching at straws, aren't you? (laughs) You know, it's all, obviously, after good breeding, but it's all about a bit of luck as well. And I was very lucky, uh, my really close friends, uh, Paul Ryan, breeder, Tip Top Man, and Mark McLaughlin in Scotland, you know, very, very, very close friends of mine. And I was luckily allowed to have one pup. I'm the only person. So a lot of people was after them, But because of my friendship, obviously, I got the chance. And I've also got uh, a Ballyhemican jet, Tip Top Taylor pup. Uh, Tip Top Taylor was an absolutely uh, top class bitch who ran around Shelbourne on Saturday nights. Uh, she finished second in the night stars. Uh, she was just an absolute brilliant, brilliant bit, So consistent. And she, uh, that one is seven months uh, old and that is called Spit the Dummy. And that's named after me from Paul Ryan. Because I'm <laughs> always spitting the dummy out. Uh, thanks, Paul, for that. And that's being reared by Becca Porter and Alan Byrne in Northern Ireland. And then I've got a Ballymac... No, sorry, I'll go something else. I've got a Droopy Sydney along Sally, uh, which I'm very, very... Uh, privileged and honoured to have. Obviously, it's very nice breeding. Uh, luckily... Much better than that, Kev. Well, I, I know. I'm, I am pretty lucky with that one. And obviously that was due to my, I would say, uh, my friendship, but also my passion for the Greyhound racing and my uh, thoughts and my passion for rehoming. You know, I, I think people know me for someone who loves their dogs. And it's, you know, that's the, for me, apart from a win, uh, the next thing, which is just as equal, is actually seeing any of my dogs retired. And luckily, Gilbert Anderson, who owns a sing along prefix, he, he's had some amazing dogs. He owns sing along Sally and he, he lives about 30 minutes from me. And he said, Kev, you can have one of the pups. And obviously, I was, wow, do you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's just wow, wow breeding. Uh, I've also got two pups from Raha Gogo, who was a uh, full sister to Raha Mofo. Uh, she had one race in Ireland and was actually going better than Raha Mofo uh, when she started in trials. Well, all is good, but she uh, injured herself. So Marissa Malloy, who I'm good friends with, the whole family, Stephen Malloy, Kira Malloy, who will one day be world boxing champion. Uh, they luckily uh, gave us two pups. And uh, so they're being reared near Galway at the moment. And who else have we got? There's quite a few more, actually. Oh, I'm very excited about the cash out Ocean's Choice. Now, mm-hmm. Ocean's Choice is, at the moment, as a couple of pups hit the ground in the UK, and uh, my friend who sold me the pup, he's got one. And I think it was something like, I actually think it broke the tr- first look in Ireland. It done twenty eight fifty 50 uh, at Cork. And it came over. And his first look at Oxford, it, it literally broke the track record on the sprint. So, and then it went eight spots, outside the track record last Saturday and that is called Ryoka Oshin who looks a very very promising pup uh, going forward so I've got one of those and he's 10 months old at the moment and I'm very very excited about him and I've got a few more which I haven't actually written down uh, but yeah that's it weird, on on the pups you know
0: It sounds like you've got your hands full there, Kevin, that is for sure.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say about the Ballet Mac Bolger, the aerial pup, uh, I'm very lucky uh, because the brood was Paul Ryan's and obviously Paul hasn't got no room to rear and I was the first person with, even with his son-in-law, Paul Ryan, Jack Finn is rearing this pup for us. And it's the first pup ever to be reared by Jack for anyone else in 50 years of racing. So it is a massive sort of privilege that Jack Finn, who's a great doggy man. Also, he's the Altesse man. Back in the day, he was very, very respected all around Ireland. Uh, so I'm very pleased that Jack's giving me the opportunity and the syndicate. Listen, I'm saying about me, it's not me. Every ground I ever get, it's not like, oh, it's mine and you're paying money towards it. It's our dog. Do you know what I mean? I think it's really important people to realise it's our dog. It's not Kevin Paris's. All I am is just a front man. Do you know what I mean? Nothing else.
0: Well, with so many dogs that you've got and puppies and what have you, Kevin, do you get to go and see them a lot at their kennels and and have some fun time with them off the track?
2: Well, obviously, I've I moved uh, kennels uh, before Christmas mm-hmm. to Cato Flatty, uh, and she's in Kent, uh, and I go every two weeks. Uh, it takes me about five hours round trip. Obviously, I would love to go every week, but like people say, you know, I can't afford to have to go every week. There's like forty, fifty pounds in fuel. And obviously I spend literally forty pounds on treats. Uh and that includes giving Katie a flat a and all the staff. Uh Katie's a chocolate mad person and I have to turn up with chocolates for her. I get a few drinks for the, the Kennel hands and Steve, uh, Katie's partner, and I always get some treats for the uh other lads who work here. Fresh cream cakes and you know, I go over the top I'm a little bit all or nothing person. Uh and also I always make sure the dogs get uh chicken breast every single week. And you've got fourteen dogs. You know, it, it is a lot to feed. Plus, I've got friends who've got dogs at Katie's, and I always take their dogs out as well. And by the time I've finished all, all the day, I'm absolutely exhausted. And getting caught on the M25 can be uh, a bit of a nightmare coming back. But it's worth it. I love my dogs. I love walking. I love speaking to Katie and Steve and the team. You know they they are such nice, brilliant people. You know, a Katie Flatty. Uh, she's very quiet in a sense until you know her, but when it comes to greyhounds and how she loves them, and she's just an one of them people. I remember bringing a bitch into her, uh, and I just brought it in. I brought it from another trainer because uh, the our friend sold me the bitch and the dog stood on the floor next to her and she said, that dog's got problems there. She just looked at the dog, had a little walk around said, he's got a problem there. On the Monday, Tom Peppercorn come and he actually marked that same area. And, you know, she's very, very astute. But for me, the biggest thing I, I like about Kate in the kennels is, well, there's a couple of things, is their worth ethics. They really do. You know, some, listen, I've had, uh, well, I've heard people in the past saying, oh, my trainer's only sitting in the office smoking. That girl works her socks off. And only recently, she reached three finals. One cap two and two cap ones. And I was obviously there for one of them. And uh, I asked where Katie was. I phoned her up and she said, I'm at the kennels, Kev. I said, why aren't you here? Surely, come on, it's group one, finals. She said, look, it's more important to me to finish my job at the kennels. I've got other owners paying me to look after their dogs and I can't leave my dogs until everything's finished. And for Ma- and for me personally, that tells me everything about her as a person and the team. She won't... It doesn't matter to her if they're, Obviously, she wants champions. We all do, don't we? You know, that's a natural thing. But to me personally, it just tells me everything about her. She loves road dogs. I'm always getting videos of her going in the kennels, rubbing their chest, rubbing their bellies, and just silly little videos, which she loves doing, and she lives on site. I can t- honestly recommend she, last year at Romford, she was the at the top stats, strike rate, and she hasn't got the best ops uh, you know, of, of all the trainers, but she's number one. And for me, she is one of the best trainers I've ever been with. She's absolutely different class. Main thing about Katie is one thing she asks all the time, and I've learned now never to tell any little white lies. Is you have to be honest, which is important to me as well. She's as honest as the day's long. Lovely good, person,
1: love it a, a bit. A, a ringing endorsement there, Kevin and. um, Tell us, like, on a similar theme, you know, talking about Cat One Nights and that, you know, what have you been your most
2: memorable nights at the, at the ground track over the years? Oh, wow. I would, has been about three or four. Uh, my first ever dog, Hotshot Dino. He basically was a dog I got involved with, and me and my mate, uh, David Martin, who I spoke about earlier, who introduced me into the sport. Now, he was a uh, Lionstein, Witches Betty, February 1992. Well, and he came over and the bloke in Ireland uh, didn't want to let him come over. And I didn't know what was, you know, why he didn't. Uh, anyway, he came over uh, and he had, had a few trials and uh, he, he looked quite not quite slow, do you know what I mean? You know, it was something... Anyway, his first five races, uh, you know, for me, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, that was my first dog. And I was Oh, it was an unbelievable feeling. He was named after Dean Saunders by my mate who supports Aston Villa. Hot shot, Dino, uh, because he was scoring all the goals. And he had his first four or five races in like A8 and he was finishing last just running around behind the dogs and a few people were laughing behind our backs and i know this for a fact and anyway people were saying kev you should sell him i said why would i sell him i would never sell a dog that's something about me i will never ever sell a graham never it doesn't matter if you offered me 50 grand for an A9 dog, I wouldn't sell it because I need to know where them dogs end up. Uh I'm not saying they're gonna go anywhere bad, you know what I mean? But it's just part of me which is really important. Going back to Hotshot Dino anyway, he couldn't win a race and people were saying Sally and Kev, he had no good. And we took him, uh we took the dog to Georgie Drake's. Just to give him a check over, and he's and uh, uh, his dog had basically damaged his, desiccated his shoulder in Ireland as a puppy, and it all calloused over. Anyway, he put it sort of, he gave it a, a yank, and I'd never heard a scream like it. But anyway, about four or five weeks later, the dog come back on track and. I think he got finished second in, in his next race in the AA. Then he won the AA on the bounce. So when he won the A7, then he won the A seven. Then he won the A six. He got beat in the A five. Then they entered him in a Puppy Open in against the uh, genius Tony Meek, who I'm good friends with, and his wife Jane. And at the time, Tony Meek was the the trainer. Do you know what I mean? Two Derby winners. You know, he, he trained at Oxford. Anyway, uh, it was on a Thursday night. It was this puppy open, and I will never forget it for the rest of my life. Uh, he was the outsider. He hit the lids, and he was, like, too clear at the bend. And we... Honest by God, you have never knew, heard two people roar so much. And I always remember they had just put in a brand-new lab book sign, a luminous one, all lit up, and it was like plastic, and my mate got carried away, and he was banging on it, oi, 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 and it, I think it was there a week, and it all came falling down and smashed. You know, uh, that night was a great night. Also, then afterwards, going to Romford with the pup and winning at Romford in the Puppy Cup. The first round so this dog couldn't win an AA, was now winning open class races and he was my first ever dog and even now i you know it, it gets me quite emotional because i would have loved to have had him home uh but luckily he got home to some really nice people in norwich i went to, uh, to see him uh Obviously when he was homes. It was quite a long way from me. I took him his uh his favourite little treat I used to take him, and that was fresh green cakes. And he recognised me straight away and he knew what I had. He had his cake off me and went and sat down, laid down, you know, that one. And another time, I suppose pulled a trigger, uh, winning in a sprint at Monmouth doing 15-14 which was amazing, especially when a dog started in A7 and D3. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a very, very fast dog. I brought off Richie Brannigan. I'd done my own work on the pup. Obviously, I brought him at seven months old, uh, but I'd done my homework on the breeding side, and every single dog I went through, I thought to myself, he should have early. And I was hoping he would stay 480. His brother finished third in the Irish Derby, were unhappy. So I thought, you know, was quite uh lucky in getting him. That was a great night. But I suppose my favourite all-time night was when, well, not night, it was in the daytime, when I had my cardiac arrest. And you know, I, I was really poorly. And I was lucky to be alive, to be honest. And at the time, I bought a a dog called Keeper Lit, who now is on my sofa, and I've got his tattoo on my arm. And basically, Paul Ryan, this is how our friendship started, um, is on social media, and he's always posting these fantastic videos of his pups. And I really wanted a Paul Ryan pup. And I asked him, have you got any pups? And he said, "Uh, this litter. And he said, sorry, Kev, they've all been sold. It's the first time I sort of spoken to him. And about four months later, whatever, I had a phone call from Paul. And he said, do you fancy one of those pups, what you liked? And I said, yeah, please, please. Because he knew I'd been through a bad time with someone else before who basically didn't do right by me after I was doing my charity walk to Scotland for a little boy with cancer. And I was in a bit of a, you know, not a bad place. Well, I was in a bad place uh, with my mental health. And he said, Kev, look, you can have this pop. And he sold me at a knockdown price. And basically the dog come over. I'd had my cardiac arrest afterwards. And obviously lucky to be alive. Pat Curtin trained keeper lit, and it was the his debut at Monmouth. And obviously, when you you are ill, we've been through something what's actually life-changing. Uh, this was a big moment for me. And to be honest, I didn't fancy him. Pat said he had a chance. And obviously, what happened? He banged out and he, he just won about half a length. But apparently the emotion, Pat had actually turned round and stopped watching the race because he was scared I was going to have another heart attack because I absolutely went mental. And just all the emotion from what I've been through. And that day, uh, Pat said to me, he's, he's never, ever seen anyone so emotional and and I won't lie for a week later it really did affect my heart because uh, I just had a cardiac arrest you know what I mean you know where your heart stops and but you know what from that day I said to myself whatever I do I've got to have that dog home and he went on from A7 uh, to winning A1s having won the fastest ever splits ever at Monmouth, 421. And he he was one of those dogs, what Pat Curtin said to him on a post once, he was one of those dogs. If I was ever in a low place, somehow he just picked me up. He was one of those dogs. So I'd, I decided on that first day he was always going to come home. But it was very difficult because I lived with my partner, Darren, and we've got uh, two other dogs and we have two cats. And here's Shawnee now, look, see him? <laughs> Hello, Shawnee. Uh, and obviously, I know Shawnee was a mad chaser. You know, he was bang on it. And even in the kennels, most lovable dog. If anyone come near his food, obviously, you know, it's very competitive, isn't it, in kennels because they are competitive uh, animals. And so I was a little bit worried. I was thinking about building an outside kennel and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, obviously, the old plan was to get him in the house. But having the two cats and the Jack Russell and the Yorkshire, I thought it was going to be really difficult. But uh, So I took six weeks off work, me and my partner, Darren. We worked together and... Slowly by slowly, I introduced them. I started him walking in with the dogs at the kennels. And then I, when I brought him home on that Sunday, uh, I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? So I muzzled him. Obviously, I had his own massive crate, but it was massive, you know. And then I had the problems with the cat. And one day... I left the back door open and because usually what I've done, I saturated the cats for a little bit uh, with the dog. And one day I left the front door open and poor old M- Mr. Fluffy, who was approaching 20 years old, he came running. Luckily he was muzzled, but the cat had bad eyesight and he went for the cat But luckily, I just shouted, "Stoney!" Like that, and he stopped in his tracks. It was like, wow. You know, previously to that, he'd caught a rabbit in our garden, and he caught it even wearing a muzzle.
3: Hi everyone, I'm Lisa from Barley Greyhound Sanctuary in Essex. Barley Greyhound Sanctuary is its own independent registered charity and we've been rehoming greyhounds for around 20 years now. We always have between 18 and 25 greyhounds in our care looking for their forever homes and we pride ourselves in trying to find the best homes possible for the greyhounds. When a greyhound comes to us we get to know them each individually and we assess them in different situations and we also get to know the adopters before they adopt and this allows us to match them to the best greyhound possible for their home. You can find loads of information on our website which is www.barleykennels.co.uk There's loads of blogs and useful information on there about greyhounds as pets. All our greyhounds go home with a collar and lead, a house collar, a muzzle four weeks free insurance and a lifetime of support and backup from us. We do carry out home checks before the greyhounds go home. This is usually nothing to worry about, we just like to know that your home is a safe environment for a greyhound and also talk through any questions you may have um, about taking a greyhound into your home. Um, If you'd like to contact us you can do so on our website that I mentioned earlier and you can find our pre-adoption questionnaire there that you'd need to fill in or you can call us on 01992 890 540, or you can email me at barleykennels at yahoo.co.uk. So...
0: Having been an owner for so long, and of course, of so many greyhounds now, what has actually changed in the owner experience for you and and how can it be improved? Because I know that we've seen on social media, you're not shy about taking dogs away from tracks if it's not working out for them or you.
2: Well, uh, listen, that's important. Listen, uh, dogs come first. And that's the most important thing. You know, they come first, then the racing comes second. As an owner over the years, obviously the biggest thing is the decline of people going to tracks. Mm. You know, it, it's completely changed. You know, I, I was going to tracks like Wembley every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And you go occasionally to Walthamstow, which was my local track. And it was ram solid. Uh, that's the biggest change for me. And But on a positive change, social media. I think, as a as a new breed of owner now, and you can see plastered all over social media 25,000 pictures of their own dog, which is a fantastic thing. You know, I think it's really, really nice. You've got uh, Greyhound History, who's doing amazing work. So for me, these are all positives uh, about the new era in Greyhound racing. Obviously, we need... Uh, to do more on social media, as in the GBGB, whoever it is. I ain't sure who's supposed to be doing all the media and, you know, promoting the sport. Uh, and I think it's really important they get their backsides in gear and actually start doing something we can see. And that is the biggest sort of downfall in the sport at the moment is we need to get these greyhounds' homes. Uh, we need to get these uh, dogs' homes, and we need it to get out there on social media and even on the television. Uh, you know, a, a lot more to bring the sport forward because, at the moment, there's nothing out there. You know, there's nothing... You know, surely it could spend on an advertising campaign, you know, in the papers, actually online papers. They could do it even on the TV. You know, there's nothing being done as far as I'm concerned. Luckily, uh, I'm at an amazing track, Romford, and they're on a different level when it comes to social media. Obviously, you've seen our their uh, work they're working, doing just day and Karen Milligan, who's uh, the general manager. They are on a different level to anything I've seen on social media. Uh, also, I think we need to get more prize money, you know, because at the end of the day, it should be a hundred pound minimum run money because, okay, it's a hobby, but out of this hobby, we are supplying. I hate using the word product, but it is a product. End of the day, I think there needs to be more money coming back to the owners. And because then that would filter down to the trainers and that filters down to the rearers and breeders, uh, in the UK and Ireland who are really struggling because the numbers have just have completely gone down. And I I think per, personally there needs to be more money coming to the owners and then we can pass it around and then people will buy dogs. Why would you buy a dog in today's climate? I do. That's because I'm addicted to buying dogs and I love to sport. But the truth is, why would you buy something where you're going to lose all your money through? It could be... A day later, it could be three years later. We need more money to encourage people into our sport as well because the prize money is ridiculous. And also, uh, luckily at Romford, like I said, I, I do amazing uh, social media and it's keeping many of us in touch with Greyhound racing. At the moment, of, of all the battles with media rights, the PGR, uh, you know, surely they knew eighteen months ago that there was going to be uh, a changeover. Right for starters, we've got races being shown, and it's being sometimes cut off. We've got little boxes in on the screen, and the replays don't even reach the line. So, what's the point of that? But the worst thing is, there's no archives. There's nothing. They've taken that away. You know, and also, we need a show where people like yourself, Danny, and Joe can talk on it because we need that interaction. That is so important to everybody. Everyone's talking about it. And and one of the things I'm really unhappy about is when I'm doing the tweets on Twitter, I hate doing negative stuff, but it has to be said. I've tagged them about five or six times. I've wrote them emails. Not even one single reply. So a bit like the GBGB, unfortunately, right, who must do good work as well. You know, it must be a very difficult job, but... There's nothing comes back to us. Without us, the owner, there's no sport, apart from the trainers who got their own dog. We need this information it's relayed back to us. Even if the information is a negative, we need to know. And at the moment, this, what they're giving us, is really a disgrace. And you actually pushing people out of the sport and i know people who've told me i won't be getting involved in any more syndicates kev not because you i can't watch my docs on the replays you know there's so many things like every single trial should be videoed all right for the owners you know to me actually I remember years ago at Peterborough taking the hot shot Dino dog. Trolls were after racing. And I forgot it was a tro- three dog trial. Uh, and I, no joke, it was three bookers packing up. Dog banged out and he led round the bend. And I'm, and I'm giving it... Ay, 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 ay. And everyone started looking at me. I forgot it was actually a troll. But listen, it's so... You know, for people like, I've got some really close friends in the syndicates in Scotland and all around the country. They can't get to Romford. They can't get to ground racing. They want to watch their dogs trial. Surely, how difficult is that? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. we definitely need more money coming in and we need people to be kept in the loop. Like the China, the China thing, broke my heart and it still breaks my heart because a good thing or bad thing, I don't know, but I was blessed with empathy and sometimes it can be a burden. Trust me. Cause I, I think about them dogs every day. I'm not saying they are being mistreated by right? But end of the day. Why would you send a dog to a country? What has got no welfare for animals? Why would you? For money. After them dogs have done you proud. And let's be honest, there's a lot of people uh, involved in this little circle. They need to be rooted out. The laws need to be changed. Even if the laws don't change, our own governing body needs to change the laws. Where if you do that, and we find out it was actually Blah, 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 you get banned for life. Because I'll tell you something now, I ain't got time for anyone who sells them dogs abroad, you know, to places with no welfare. You know, to me, they are the scum of the earth, and you're putting a bad name on the good people of our sport. Because I'll tell you something now, there's 99% of people in our sport are welfare orientated they love their dogs right but, but as a, a little minority should be ashamed of their scouts. and they are scum in my eyes.
0: Couldn't agree more to be fair Kevin because yeah they're putting money against um well above our wonderful athletes and uh yeah can't I can't argue with you one iota now <laughs> this is a funny, fun one. How can we bottle your enthusiasm for the sport and replicate it and, and just, you know, put it in everybody's water. (laughs) I think is what we need.
2: Well, I don't have to put me in their water. (laughs) Uh, It'd it'd be a massive glass. Trust me. Uh, Uh, Well, I think, listen, for me, I think we need to encourage people like Rob for the doing. Now, I keep saying Romford, but it is more Green have done it. You know they they do encourage people into the track. I think we need people to get to track because when you get to track, it's a completely different feeling than actually being watching your phone on PGR, whether it's called, and like watching half a race. You know, it's a great bug. You know, if your dog's running But we need people to come to track And then I think The passion Will come Mm. You know, the more you get Involved, the more you go To the kennels and visit the dogs You start realising Every single dog Doesn't matter their ability Has got a character And I think all these little ingredients And meeting new people And all these things come together and then you get a, a sense of pride about your racer a11 the derby dog i don't have derby dogs but hopefully one day uh i think all these ingredients can help with passion but really passion is something what is born inside you mm. and Listen, just because I people think I'm passionate, it's just I, I do a lot of posting. That's all it is. You know, there's loads of people as passionate as me. You know, I'm sure that even in my syndicates, uh, our syndicates, I, I, I didn't mean it to be sound like me, uh, <laughs> even though I said to Kate, I was coming on the podcast, Kate Aflatty, and I said, I hate my own voice, Kate. She said, <laughs> do you? Do you really? (laughs) Thanks, Katie. Uh, no, but I think we need people to be encouraged to tracks to get there, actually enjoy the night out because and stuff like that. Because Romford are way above any other track in the country, Karen McMillan, uh. And just day on the socials. It's you feel special. And that's what we need people to feel special because them dogs are special to us. So make us feel special. Get to track. We need more advertising, more enticements. You know, put some pool tables in a part of the track upstairs. So youngsters can come in. Do you know what I mean? Play a bit of pool. Watch a bit of greyhound racing. Make it a social night. And Romford, to be fair, they do make it a social night. You know, all these different curry nights and all these little valentines. They do it with the rosettes. You know, for an owner, this is what an owner wants. They want the rosettes. They want the trophies. They want the announcements on the loudspeaker. You know? So... I think passion is inside you. Being half Italian, my father was from Sardinia, and he was the most passionate man I have ever met. I've seen him cry over a song on television, actually physically cry. And I've also seen him, where well, he's dead now, run into the street when uh, uh, Italy scored their third goal against Brazil in the 1982 World Cup. He ran in the street shouting. English car beep. Uh, <laughs> seriously, he was the most passionate man. But there is some lovely, passionate people in the sport. And like I say to everyone, this sport's not about uh, me. It's not about you. It's not about him or her. This is about all of us. This is our sport. We love our sport. We do. That's why you're talking to me now. Mm. It's a passion. Joe's got a passion. You've got a passion. We need to embrace this. We need to come together. But we need help from the governing bodies. You know, we need them to say, hold on. Why don't we go and speak to the general public? I worked under Paul Emerson. Well, worked. I was... He said, "Why well, he said it is white-hand man. He was the, the owner's rep, the GBGB. And I obviously went for the role, but listen, I ain't got the brains. You know, listen, look, I know you've given me a look here, Danny, but I haven't got the the brains to be writing stuff and doing stuff like that. But I have the passion. And that's why people voted for me and Paul got the role. And he was one of the most unbelievable men to bring this sport forward and he was just the owner's rep right and luckily he couldn't speak out about anything I had my cardiac arrest and he decided to call it a day because he was getting nowhere Mm. you know the last two reps he must have a, a difficult job because not everything's plain sailing it's not as simple for people representing us, owners. But what's being said, you know, I feel sorry for the guy because, you know, even the guy at the moment and the uh, John Coleman before that, I think it's John, uh, you know, nothing's given out to us. This is our sport. We need, need a bigger slice of the cake, you know, to, to say what is going on. You know, what is happening? Come and speak to the owners. Every track should have I know they do it Romford, they should have owners meetings. But there should be someone go into every track. I would do it for nothing. Mm. Long as you put the petrol in. <laughs> you know. I would do it for nothing. I was part of the innovation panel. I said, put your expenses in. No, I didn't. I, You know, I I travelled 30, 40 miles. No, I didn't. I'm not after getting money. I'm after trying to push this sport forward. And if I had the brains, honestly, I would be nonstop campaigning. We need a bigger voice, us owners. So I'll tell you something now. It's take, take, take. You know, I know people have got to make money. That's why they're filming all these races and at rubbish times in the morning and at night. But you know, think about the owner. We're giving you these dogs. Do you know? Think about us. Come and speak to us. Get M video sorted out on the archives. Make sure you get it sorted now. I actually believe it's like the GBGB. Oh, yeah, they make a little statement after pressure, that everything disappears, Nothing said. And I actually think at the moment, even though they're saying there's a second phase coming through, I actually think it was a case of let's see if we get many complaints and that is all we're going to give you. It's not good enough. Sort it out. Sort it out. And let's get people... People like myself, people like you, Joe Blocks. I don't mean Joe Blocks, as mean you, Joe. Uh <laughs> sorry. Uh let's get talking to let's get representatives of tracks and let's have a, a meeting from every track. You know, it's another thing I've got to say now. We need on the homing front, now, there's been rumors that certain homing places. Uh, seem to be homing certain train of stocks. I'm not saying there's anything untoward. We need something set up where we have a list of every retired greyhound at each different track and the date they are retired. And we need a list from every homing place of what dog goes in there, right? So everyone gets their dog, their dog honed at a fair time. Because I'm hearing a lot of uh, negatives from other people saying, well, that trainer gets all his dogs honed at one home in place, and they don't take any of mine, and they never have. So we need this sorted out as well. You know, something... We can put down a computer. you know. Like I said, I ain't the best with words. I ain't sure what you'd call it, but we need something put down. So when dogs are homes, it goes into the computer, and we know when that dog is homes. And when a space comes up at a home in centre, they get the first choice. It's done
1: fairly it... in chronological order, basically, on when they retire yeah. and not who's the
2: favourite trainer. Oh, my God, you've got some big words in you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing is, Kevin, look, I think look, that's a great way to end it, a passionate plea. Um, but the thing is that's, that's frustrating for you and everyone else is these are things that everyone knows are wrong and talk about all the time. You know, it's the, it's, it's it's very frustrating and, and nothing seems to be done. Um, so, look, we know you've obviously got your father's passion there. Um, and that's why we had you on. That's why you're a popular figure in the ground community that everyone mm-hmm. knows and loves, because you're so passionate about the dogs and the sport. And, you know, like us, we all just want to push it forward. and, and do. Of course what we, we do. That's you know, we
2: want. Look, thanks for your kind words. And uh, listen, i got to say, I really am honoured and humbled by the support I do get from ground racing. You know, it, it, it's lovely, but, you know, I think all the little simple things like... You know, I keep emailing, it, well, i stopped emailing it. It's like some of the basics, all right? A better presentation of the kennel hands when they're walking the dogs. I know that's not important, but it, it is. It's an image, right? And the other thing which I really annoys me is the flag waving. Why can't you go to the side of the box, lift your flag up, Right. I remember years ago at Monmouth it had a giant flag. at uh, My pup was having its first race. I was right by the traps and he f- shakes his flag and it makes a cracking noise. It was so loud, yeah? I see the little bitch go back in the trap. I emailed in and I was basically, not by everyone, one of the people on there laughed at. They're hounds. Do things simple. Don't be putting anything on the boxes or in the boxes. It might not matter, but let's be honest, yeah, it is a split-second mm. difference from winning and losing. You know, do the basics.
0: 100% do the basics. That, I think, is the uh, yeah, the, the the thread of the podcast here on Gone to the Dogs. And I want to just... Uh, <laughs> do the basics,
1: that's it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I wanted to just uh, thank the the, um, people on social media that had asked us questions. Uh, I think they've been answered um, in the podcast itself. Paul Wilson, uh, Grace Cawthorn and West Country Greyhounds all had questions, as did Sean Reynolds as well. So I think we have answered them all. Um, I say we. Kevin's done the heavy lifting in this podcast and uh, it's been an absolute joy, Kevin, to have you. I'm sure we'll be able to have you on again in the future because I think there's plenty more to say. But Kevin, thank you for giving up your time. And uh, hopefully you do listen back. I know you said you didn't like hearing your own voice, but it's going to be an absolute cracker and it's going to go down really well. So thank you so much.
2: Listen, thank you guys very much. And I like I said, you know, people like yourselves are such an important part of our sport because you are getting stuff out there. And without you guys and people on social media, you know, sport's going to be lost in the clouds. Do you know what I mean? But no listen, exactly. All the best guys. Take care, Kevin. Talk
1: Thanks, man. Kevin. And
2: Thank you for your time. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Oh, the passion just really comes through from Kevin. Absolutely superb interview. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. So let's dive into the betting side of things for this weekend. We have got the Cat One Labbrooks Winter Derby Final of 2024 billed at 133 at Monmore. And I am super excited about this. Trap one, we've got Aero Secundi, two Lynx Maverick, three King Sydney. Four Bogger Rambo, five King Capaldi, and six is Churchfield Sid. This is going to be sensational, Joe. Hot, hot
1: lineup. It was a it was a great competition lineup in the first place, and the cream has risen to the top. And it is an absolutely tremendous final, isn't it? We've got six mm. fantastic greyhounds. Um, it's got it all. You know, I'm really excited by it. I do quite like the look of Churchfield, Sid, just based on the draw, I have to say. You know, King Capaldi in five, he's definitely going to be coming in. He's been showing some really good early pace and he could just cause a little bit of mayhem here. So um, I'm keeping it simple. I think, you know, one of the other dogs could, of course, but has to bang out, I think, to get to get a clear passage. Um, but, But Churchfield, Sid, has been impressive. Obviously, Lynx Maverick got the run on him last week. Um, but I just think the makeup of this race is, is slightly different. And, and Churchfield Sid, has been showing some tremendous early pace himself. And if he can stay out of trouble, he's definitely got the ability to win this. So uh, really looking forward to the race. Trap six for me. Yourself?
0: Yeah, I saw it going one of two ways, really. Because I think Aero Secundi, I championed him in the first round, actually, and he got beaten quite comprehensively by King Sydney but he has got a really quick start on him because he's he's come from the sprinting sphere and he could be the holdup um, for Lynx Maverick on the inside because I thought Lynx Maverick, obviously he's improving with every time we're seeing him now because obviously he had that layoff, didn't he, for uh, Tom Halebron. And I think the, the time that he recorded last time, 28.09, he's going to improve on that, I think, if he gets a clear run. And I have actually gone with Lynx Maverick, but that was one of my two ways that I thought it could go because Churchfield Sid should be able to keep himself high, wide and handsome um, because he, we know how good he is. The Richard Reese kennel have done a superb job with him uh, since he had his injury last year. And he's again, improving on his times. Uh, I put a 28, 25 on the board last time. He's usually quite quick to go and he should be able to hold a good pitch on the outside. And, as you say, the fly in the ointment is King Capaldi, because obviously he's got the fastest time. He's consistently got the fastest splits. He's been in the 420s, and Aero has done that, but that was only the last time out, the time before he put a 438 on the board. So if King Capaldi can get out, I don't think this dog can be stopped. Um, so he would be the fly in the ointment if he does exactly the same as he's done for the first two rounds. And it was one of those, I couldn't put you off anybody in this lineup. Whoever you want to go with, good luck, because it, they could all win this race. You know, you've you've not got too much between them on times alone. I think there's 18 spots between them. Uh, the two, uh, the fastest is King Capaldi with a 28 dead. Uh, that was in a trial. He only went one spot off that last week when he bolted up beating Aero Secundi. Uh, you've got a 28.09 for Lynx Maverick. That was last time out as well. Uh, 28.16 for King Sydney. That was in a trial. Bogarambo, Rambo, though, he put in a good time 28-17 last week in the in the semis. And then you've got 28-18 for Eero Secundi and Churchfield Sid. So both of those recorded in trials to be fair, or an open actually, for Aero Secundi. But it is seriously competitive. And I'm just tentatively with Lynx Maverick.
1: I think he's, he can get five to two at the moment. Mm. Um, top price that is with UniBet. So so good luck if you can actually get that in real life. But he's a short seven and four, two to one. Like you could like I, I think he's he's coming back as well. He he seems to be getting better week on week, and I, I think he's the, definitely the worthy favourite. But Churchill said nine to two. I mean, you just look at how how open this is for a final. You know, uh, bet three six five a bet in links links Maverick two to one eleven and four King Capaldi. Four to one Sid, Boggarambo fives, King Sydney and Aero Secundi eights. You know, in terms of a sort of betting final, very tight. And mm. it, it's great that, you know, but 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 a few of these are gonna have to bang out I think to win. Um but yeah, can't can't wait. Just want to add in again, we, we spoke about this last time, but but about having the 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 final in this card on in the morning and, mm. and early afternoon rather than the night. You know, we said give it a go, fair enough, let's see how it's gone. But from the feedback and what I've seen, it's been dead there and they haven't had a good crowd. So, you know, nothing wrong with trying new things out. Hopefully, <laughs> it you know, it hasn't, not hopefully it hasn't worked, but hopefully they can see that it hasn't worked and maybe isn't the best place for it and in terms of time of day. And, and next year, the winter derby will be in the evening on a Saturday night where it, where it deserves to be.
0: Yeah, it absolutely should. And like I say, I'm always willing to try new things. Always, always, especially at the weekends and stuff, because you just don't know what people are going to do with their leisure pound these days. And yeah, it's not worked. It's an experiment that certainly hasn't um, paid off. So hopefully they do switch it around next year, and time will tell in twenty twenty five.
1: Sorry, Danny. Also, you've you've also got the the, the golden jacket um, mm. starting just after, haven't you? And it's just yep. like you've got two. And I know that has always been in the morning um, on a Saturday. It's a little bit later now, I think, than it, than it used to be because it's after the, the Monmouth card. Yeah, that properly clashes with the with the football and the plethora of other things that's, that are going on on a, on a Saturday afternoon. No, it just, it just see you know you've got two great comps one after the other on a Saturday in a, in a poor time slot. Now, um, it just yeah, it just doesn't doesn't
0: feel right. I just never have understood. I, I get quite a lot of the schedule changes, but I just you know the established. Saturday lunchtime Crayford Card. You did get a crowd, people went, everybody knew there was good competitions on on a Saturday lunchtime. And then you could still go and do whatever else you wanted in the afternoon. I do not I fail to understand why it has changed from the lunchtime to the afternoon. And, and it now you've baffles got like, me every time.
1: You've got the first semi final on of the golden jacket um, at two forty nine. I mean, could you get like a worse time? Because it used to be on earlier, didn't it? Sort of 11, 12, where the winter derby's been, but mm. is now maybe a little bit earlier evening from, from memory. And now it's just, you've got the winter derby starting later and then the the, the golden jacket and, and Peter Bussey, which is a good, really good comp as well this year. Just, um, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't seem right to me.
0: No, totally with you. Let's dive into the Golden Jacket, though, as we've mentioned it. 249 is the first semi-final sponsored by Premier Greyhound Racing. Trap 1, Hacker Carlo, 2, Kunuk Crow, 3, Bubbly Scorcher, 4, Brett and Molly, 5, Savannah Jazz and 6, Havana Lover. Now, I was at Romford and (laughs) Kunuk Crow is one that I've always championed, you know I have. I didn't back her when I was at Romford. I backed the second, all right, Patricia, because I'd seen her and I thought she was quite a, a decent dog over the six pence. And you know, when you go, Cunot <clears throat> yeah. Crow has been yes. so frustrating for me on many occasions with not winning that she decided to win on the day that I didn't back her. But my goodness me, is she in good form at the moment? So I'm back on the teetering on the edge of the cliff with Kunock Crow. And hopefully she's going to do the business for me on Saturday.
1: She's okay. sort of gone under the radar, I think, a little bit because people are, you know, people are talking about New Destiny, Ballymat Taylor's Hacker Carlo. You've obviously got Havana Lover and that, and she's just gone about her business. She's won three in a row. Mm-hmm. She's beaten Dazzle Rolex, who I've backed anti-post for, for this. Beat Hacker Carlo the time before, putting in some good times, and she's really taken to to Grayford. It um, seems to be running the track really well, so um, I think she's got a great chance in the first semi-final. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. So hopefully she she goes well, and she's got a good pitch as well. I think she's quite versatile trap wise. So as long as she gets out and avoids that little bit of bother potentially on the first, we should be good to go. Second semi finals: these trap one droopies flotilla two Tuono bella three Havana top note four bubbly inferno five she loves you and six homestead Anna. I actually struggled with this one because if you look at all the times that they've recorded, they're quite tight, apart from Tuono Bella, who's put a 45-54 on the board when she absolutely dotted up in the trial stakes. She was behind Mac Taylor last time out. I think I'm going to have to go with her because I think she's got quite a decent bit of early toe as well, Tuono Bella, but one that I've never really looked at, quite frankly. She's only been here since September, but I genuinely don't think I've ever called her home or seen her, apart from last week.
1: Yeah, and you're right, impressive behind Ballymat-Taylor and Ballymat-Taylor putting a, putting a cracking run, let's face it. Um, and yes, another one that's gone under under the radar a little bit, mm-hmm. but but clearly runs Crayford well. Um, for me, I'm just going to go with the bit of proven classes. Probably one of the weaker of the, the semi-finals, isn't it? I think it's fair to say. I think I'm just going to go with Havana top note. Um, not not one in the the trial stakes or last week was third behind um, Hacker Carlo, but just banking on the fact that he might be able to get out, do a little bit of, be, of a better split. We know he stays well. So um, I'm just going to go with him in, in trap three. I think looking at this, you know, I, I think sometimes trap one, if, if you've got an early pace dog, I've found this with Lauren and I don't know whether it's similar to everyone else, but if you've got a good early pace dog in one, um, and a lot said that's happening here. This is just a general point because it's because Grayford's so tight. They're running at speed to the first bed and it could catch them un- unawares because it's such a tight bed. And Lauren was finding it extremely difficult to turn at that speed. And mm. um, whereas I think if you're in sort of two or three and Top Note has, you know, can show decent early when he gets it right, you know, he he's a little bit hit and miss, but when he gets it right, you know, track three should suit him coming in at a bit of an angle. And I'm hoping that he can bang out Get round well and, um, and and take this.
0: Okay, so I'm with Tono Bella, Joe with Havana Top Note. What about the third semi? Trap One Lamorna Amaze, Two Queen Pink, Three Ballymac Taylor, Four New Destiny, Five Belmore Sally, Six Dazzle Rolex. Well, we've got three big guns in four big guns. Sorry, in here Queen Pink, Ballymac Taylor, New Destiny, Belmore Sally. Not saying the other two aren't, but those are the four that will be duking it out for top honours in this semi-final and two of them are going to be disappointed, I think. Um, I, I Genuinely, it was a sit back and watch for me because I just, I'm not bothered about who gets through. They're all really, really good bitches and I'd love Belmore Sally to get through. I'd love her to keep the dream alive to go for the third golden jacket in a row. But she has got some youngsters that are very, very good, Joe.
1: Yeah, this I mean, this could be one of them that could be the final. Um, mm. As I said, I'm on, on Dazzle Rolex, anti-post oh, each yes. way anyway. Um, so I think he's got a good chance because, you know, wide runner here. He's got some great splits, fourteen last time, and he ran over the 380 in a trial before and did exactly the same calculated time. The way he picked up Lauren uh, in their maiden race, was extremely impressive. Um, and he looks like, a, you know, he's going to be a top-class stair still still getting that experience behind his belt. You know, he's not had a whole host of runs. So he was good. Balmore Sally was, was a little bit flat, I thought, in the last round. Obviously, she stayed on really well to take second behind Hacker Carlo. But, you know, she, she's getting a little bit older now. We know she loves it. But I think she might struggle in this company. New mm. Destiny, I think she's going to have to have to bang out as well. Cause she, she can find trouble if she's not in front. And I think if she's not in front of the first bend, um, and there's a few dogs in front of her she, she might, she might struggle to come through. We know she's classy. And of course she could be in front of that first bend. That's, that's entirely plausible. And, and Bally Matt Taylor in this lineup is going to come from off the pace and might find it a little bit more difficult against, against some of these dogs, you know, queen pink, you know, she's got some early, um, as well, you know, plenty of early in the locker. So, I, I think the likes of Ballymat Taylor may struggle. Balmore, Sally, New Destiny will have to have to be out near the front. But it's possible. I'm not going to bet because I've got Dazzle Rolex, hoping that he can qualify in the front too. But I'm really looking forward to watching this race. It's it's full of class.
0: It really is. I'm very excited about this race on Saturday, and I just uh, I've had to give picks for for William Hill and I did come down on the side of Queen Pink just because I thought she could hold the inside she's not in the one and I think she'll be able to um, get a good pitch in front potentially if she turns handy with new destiny maybe just a length behind her because she's got some cracking splits Queen Pink so that's what I'm hoping but we will wait and see what happens on Saturday We've also got the Peter Bussey Memorial Trophy semi-finals as well, category two, of course, but a really good comp over the five forty. One Mini Bullet uh, in the first semi, two Roxy's Bullet, watch your bullets, three Liz On four Roseville Best, five Lamor Alexi, and six is Shaz Starlight. I mean, Mini Bullet has just been an absolute credit to connections. I think she's absolutely superb. She puts in some really good splits. She should be away and gone. And she will do for me.
1: <laughs> Keep it simple. Um, yeah. I think I, I think I agree to be honest though, Danny. Um she the money came for her last week. She went off thirteen to eight joint favourite. hopes Paddington was, was relatively weak. Um and the money came and she did she didn't put a foot wrong. Um she she um she was, was quite impressive. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to Minnie Bullet. She seems like she's in good form, she's a staple in these competitions, isn't she? And um yeah, I think she's she's the one to beat.
0: And then we've got the second semi, which is Romeo Hotshot in one, two Hopes Paddington, three Dazzle Hermes, four Jim Onfea, five Allardale Kazoo, and six Ritzy Empress. So, uh, Hopes Paddington wasn't quite as poor perfect as I was hoping last week. He came third, got a fair bit of trouble, but I think he's housed better today, so I'm going to give him another chance for Nathan Hunt.
1: That's nice of you. (laughs)
0: Um. Yeah, he was. As I said, he was
1: weak in the market last week. I, I don't know why, and he he did run a little bit flat. Um, just about qualified in, in third in third place for the semi-finals. But I was very impressed by Aladeel Kazoo. Um, she put in a, a thirty three seventy seven calculated. Um, really good early pace she showed, and if she does that again, she she's a nice bitch, and I just thought she might be a a spot of value here because I imagine the the one and the two, Romeo Hotshot, Hopes Paddington will be favorite and second favorite and I, and I just thought she's definitely got a, a chance if she can she can get out and show that early pace again that'd be hard to catch um and the, and the front two might just get in each other's way a little bit so um yeah we'll we'll see but maybe alladale kazoo for a spot of value
0: well good luck whoever you're on in the top comps that we've got over the weekend from Monmouth and crayford and uh... I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we have enjoyed putting it together for you. Joe, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure.
1: See you in a couple of weeks, everyone. Goodbye.
0: Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie
1: Harvey.